I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to the last book in the Bible, book of Revelation, next to the last chapter, chapter 21. And uh, I want to share with you a message tonight that's not politically correct, but it is a reality and it is biblically correct. I'm just going to read one verse. It's found in the 21st chapter, verse 8. And here John was inspired to write, But the fearful and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How many times have I stood here or at a funeral home and looked at a body in a casket and I hear comments like, Oh, They are at peace. Uh, Other comments? Oh, how they suffered in this life. But there's no more suffering. They're free from suffering. They're free from pain. Now, friends, that is only true if they were in a right relationship with God. And if they were not, their troubles just begun. They are not at peace. They are not at rest. And it will be that way for all eternity. You see, both the Old Testament and the New Testament are very clear, very plain, that there are Two destinies for the souls of men, and only two. One is a place that Joe sang about. Some call it heaven. Some call it home. Some call it dreamland. And if that be true, let me dream on. But And Jesus went to prepare that place. But if we go, we're going to have to do what he requires us to do in order for us to go there. He paid the price, and he offers it to us as a free gift, but we must receive it. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament, and there are 234 verses in those 260 chapters that speak of everlasting punishment, speak of hell, speak of the lake of fire, where the fire is not quenched and the soul dieth not. And I would think that if life's journey was 260 miles long, and during that 260 miles, there were 234 billboards that said this road leads to hell, I would think that we would find an alternate route, don't you? And... That is absolutely true, uh, and, and there is a great deal more said in the Bible about hell than there are about heaven. 
Jesus himself spoke a great deal about heaven, but if you'll search the scriptures, he spoke much more about hell than he did about heaven and warned and warned and warned individuals about that eternal place of destruction, a lake of fire where the fire isn't quenched, the soul dieth not. And I know, I know this, I know that we're being bombarded with theo, theologians from Hollywood, uh, Ann Landers, uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey, will all tell you that there are alternate routes to that final place called heaven, and there's really no such place as a place called hell. Now, I don't want to be short, and I don't want to be blunt, but I want to say this tonight. It does not matter what the Hollywood crowd has to say. does not matter what the news media has to say. It is what thus saith the Word of God. And the Word of God plainly, plainly teaches, and you can add, teaches that there is a place called hell. And it wasn't prepared for us. Jesus himself said, it's a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And if we go there, we're going to be an intruder. But you could ask those same people who say that there is no hell, there is no such place as a place called hell, and ask them if there is a heaven. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There is, there is a heaven. Uh, in fact, my mother died recently, and I'm absolutely certain that if anyone went to heaven, my mother went to heaven. Well, how do you know that? How do you know? Well, the minister said that she went to heaven. The minister said, and, and he read from Jesus' words in John 14, where Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, then I'm coming again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. But listen to this. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, my friends, Jesus speaks much, much more about a place called eternal punishment than he does that place called heaven. Even though he's, there, is a, there is a real heaven, Jesus is going to prepare it for us. More importantly than that, he's went to prepare a way that you and I can get there. But I believe this. I believe that, that the deity of Christ... Health stands or falls on the deity of Christ. And if we say that there is no hell, then we deny the fact that Jesus Christ is the virgin-born Son of Almighty God. We deny the truth, the scriptural truth, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to Calvary, and that he shed his blood for the remission of sin, and... On the, they buried him, and on the third day morning, he rose again. But if we say that there is no hell, 
then we say that Jesus is not an authority on the subject. And therefore, if you can disbelieve one part, you can disbelieve it all. And, and if you disbelieve any of it, then how do we know what is true and what is not true? I want to tell you something. What's penned in holy writ is true. It is the inspired, infallible word of Almighty God. And, and I know modern people today are trying to sidetrack on this great uh, uh, tragical doctrine, I'd, I'd call it. And I'll tell you the fact, I don't like to preach on hell. And you say, well, Delbert, you're preaching to the choir. I want to tell you something, the choir needs the message. And w- I, I'm persuaded to believe that we, even we as Christians, don't see hell for what it really is. And we don't realize that when a loved one dies without Christ, that they're lost, lost, doomed, eternally lost. Never, There's no such thing as a purgatory. Uh, if you show it to me in the Bible, I'll preach it. But there is no such thing as, as a purgatory in the Bible where you get a second chance. No, your chance is here and now. And, and if we do not take advantage of the opportunities that we have here and now, I want to tell you, if we could lift the hell, the lid from hell, and interview those who are there, they would tell you, I'm here because I procrastinated. I never intended to wait until it was too late. But death caught me unawares. And here I am, had the best of intentions, and here I am without a hope, lost, doomed, eternally. And we just walked through hell and and we could interview a few people and and you, you might meet with Cain and he was the first murderer and and you'd say, Cain, why are you here? Uh, is it because you murdered your brother Abel? And Cain would be quick to speak up and say, no, no, I'm not here because I murdered my brother Abel. You see, mom and dad, we both had the same parents. And mom and dad taught us very plainly of the importance of the blood sacrifice. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Mom and dad taught me. They taught, they taught Abel. But I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that God would require a blood, blood sacrifice. And I brought the fruit of my own labor. Mom and dad told us that God could only accept us on the basis of the sacrifice that we offered. And anything that we offered apart from a blood sacrifice, God would not accept. I didn't believe it. God didn't do me an injustice. No, God provided a sin offering at my door. And I failed to accept that sin offering. And I'm here because I rejected the true teachings of the Word of God. And, and we could go on and on and on. Uh, you could maybe meet up with Belshazzar. And, Belshazzar, why are you here? Well, I'm here simply because I made the choice to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season rather than to suffer affliction with the people of God. You see... I've got this old lustful nature, all of us do. And he said, I was just bent 
upon satisfying my lustful desires. And that's why I'm here. I'm here because I chose to please self rather than to please him. And, and, and you, you could go on and on and on uh, in meeting with those who are, who are in hell, and, tell, and they will all tell you, I'm here because I rejected the invitation. I rejected the opportunity. And how many times, oh, how many times, and God wasn't obligated, but how many times did God knock at my heart's door, woo at my heart's string, and invite me to come? And I said, no, not tonight. No, not tonight. Uh, there'll be a more convenient season. But oh, thank God, he didn't give up on me. And the blessed Holy Ghost of God continued to knock at my heart's door and give me invite after invite until that precious night that I came and I surrendered and I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But you look into the Scriptures and you see what the Scriptures has to say about hell. Isaiah said that hell, which is from beneath, rises to meet thee at thy coming. Oh, dear Lord. And Proverbs 29.1 says, He that hardeneth his will, stiffeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. David said in Psalms 9 and 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. Hell is real, church. Hell is a reality. And oh, to die without Christ. Scripture says, as a tree falleth, so does it lie. And as we go down in death, so will we stand in the judgment. And when we go down in death, we're either saved or lost. There's two categories. And really, there are but two categories here on the earth. You're either saved or you're lost. Simple, simple as that. But Jesus said... In Matthew chapter 25, verses 42, and then verse 46. Then shall Jesus say unto them, on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And then to those on the right, and they shall go in to everlasting fire life that's prepared for those that trust him. So Jesus is speaking here of a reality. Hell is a reality. And Jesus himself speaking in John chapter 3, he says, uh, he that believeth on him, Jesus himself, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. Hell is a horrible place. And if you want to know what God thinks about sin, all you need to do is look at Calvary. Look at the price that God's Son 
paying for the sins of the entire world. And friends, listen, we'll either accept that or we're going to pay our own sin debt and you'll never get it paid and you're going to spend the endless ages of eternity in a place of eternal punishment, eternal fire. There's a, some say that really there's no consciousness after death that, that when you die, that's, that's the end of it. But Daniel said, uh, there's coming a day when they that sleep in the dust of the earth are going to awake. Some to everlasting life and some to wrath and everlasting contempt. Now, what that dear old prophet is saying is, there's going to come a day when your old carcass, and I don't care how long it's been in the ground or where she went down, it may be in the depths of the Atlantic Ocean, but there's coming a day when that old carcass is going to awake and some to everlasting life, others to contempt and everlasting destruction. Jesus said himself in John chapter 5 and verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all, A-double-L, all that are in the grave are going to come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, don't misinterpret what's being said. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. I want to tell you something. There's nothing good about any of us except that goodness be due to the fact that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and when we trust Him, then His righteousness is imputed to us and we stand before God just as if we had never sinned or we stand before God justified, just as justified as His only begotten Son is justified. Oh, what a wonderful gift is the gift of salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus gives an account. Some say it's a parable. He doesn't say that it's a parable. I don't believe that it is a parable. But in Luke chapter 16, Jesus gives a true incident, true account. And here are two men. And Jesus said uh, there was, in verse 19 of Luke chapter 16 that there was a certain rich man, not, not a rich man, but a certain rich man. And he was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at the rich man's gate. 
only desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, and his body was full of sores. And it says, and moreover, the dogs came and licked those sores. But then it says that the poor man died, Lazarus died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, or the paradise of God. And the rich man also died and was buried. That's not the end of the account. It says, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, plural. And he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out to Father Abraham. Evidently he was a Jew, recognized Abraham as his father. And he cried out to Father Abraham. And he said, have mercy on me. Would you please send Lazarus that he could but dip his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in these flames. And Jesus' response back to the rich man, Son, remember. Son, remember. And he had his mental faculty, and he could remember. And he said, Son, remember that you, in your lifetime, you, you enjoyed all of the good things. You had anything and everything that life could offer. But he said, uh, Lazarus likewise had all of the evil things. Now look at the reversal of the roles. Now, he's the rich man and you're the beggar. And he said, beside all of this, there is a great gulf fixed. Great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to us cannot. Neither can they pass from where you are to where we are. Eternally separated. And he said, oh, Father Abraham. If you can't send him to help me, would you send him back to my father's house? He remembered. He said, I've got five brethren. Please send Lazarus to warn them that they come not to this terrible place of torment. And Father Abraham said, Son, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would believe. And Father Abraham said, No. If they don't hear Moses and the prophets, in other words, if you don't hear the preach word, if you don't believe what Pastor Brad's telling you, 
then they won't, you won't be persuaded though God sends a miracle from heaven. Listen, the greatest miracle that God sent from heaven is the fact that he sent his only begotten son to this old sin-cursed world in order that you and I would not have to go to that terrible place that was prepared for the devil, the devil and the angels that kept not their first estate who are reserved in chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. Hey, that's the miracle of all miracles that not only did God send his son, but his son was willing to come, knew what he was coming for, knew what he was going to face again and again and again, he would tell the disciples, look, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He's going to be spat upon. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be put to death. But he always included a hope. But on the third day morning, I will rise again. And blessed be God, there weren't enough demons in hell to prevent Jesus Christ from rising from that grave because God was satisfied with the sin debt that was paid and it was paid in full and on and a signature uh, to that, the stamp of approval to the fact that God was satisfied rests in the fact that God raised his son on the third day morning. He tabernacled among us in that spiritual recognizable body and then he ascended back to the right hand of the Father and there he is seated as an eternal intercessor for whosoever will can come and Cry out to God and be saved. Now note what, what one thing that this rich man liked. And it's found in that incident recorded in Luke chapter 16. Oh, he said, if one went unto them from the dead... They will repent. They will repent. And I want to tell you something. I didn't know how to repent. I just knew I was lost. Knew I was doomed for a devil's hell. And as best as I could, I said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save my soul for Christ's sake. I couldn't have begun to repent of all my sins, but I just simply said, God, I'm a sinner. I believe the message that Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid my sin debt. And right now, as best as I know how, I'm going to trust him. And God, I'm making a vow to you that I'll do my best to serve you from this day forward. And I, I haven't been perfect, but I have did my best to serve him. And I feel obligated, Pastor Brad, to serve him. I feel obligated to witness to those that are lost 
I, I get under condemnation. I, I get condemned when I know of a situation and an individual's loss and, and I, I just have to get to them. And I, I even have a cousin that says, Delbert, if I believed it like you believe it, I would tell it like you're telling it. But I feel obligated to tell those that are lost because hell is a reality. Heaven is real. Heaven is real, but hell is just as real. And hell is just as eternal, just as long as there is, as heaven is real, and heaven is long. And Joe's going to come and sing an invitational song for us tonight. And if you're here, and boy, you need to be sure, very sure, that that you have surrendered, that you have trusted the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. And if you haven't, dear God, I want to invite you tonight to come before it's eternally, eternally too late. And if you're here and you're saved, let me tell you, you come in contact with people every day. And it may be awkward it may be awkward, and sometimes it is an awkward situation, and, and the devil will try to make it even as more awkward than, than what it is, but I'll tell you this, if in love you'll enter into a conversation with a lost individual, David said, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy, and I will tell you, if you're witnessing to an individual with tears streaming down your cheeks, I want to tell you something. That's a hard resist. That's a hard resist for someone to resist an invitation from an individual that makes no boast in himself, but boasts in him and tells you that you need to get right with God, and the only way to get right with God is to trust His Son as your personal Savior. And boy, I just hope that the message will burn in all of our soul, and we'll, each of us will realize the importance of handing out a tract, telling someone about the good grace of Almighty God that so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son that if we would but believe in him, we should not perish, but we could have everlasting life. Now, you do your part, and you can't save anybody. But if you'll do your part, God will be faithful. And I'm not saying that everyone you witness to is going to be saved. I wish I could say that. I wish I could say that. But, we don't know who will and who won't. Our obligation is to go and tell. And tonight, if you need some boldness to do that and you want to come pray about it, you come. But if you're here tonight and you're not sure about your salvation, don't leave this service. Don't leave this service without knowing that I am right with Almighty God.